Madam Bartender, the playlisters of the political playlist happy hour. I'm going to make my sound effects. The political revolution of the millennials. Welcome to political playlist. <laughs> All right. Are we ready, guys? Happy hour. Happy, Happy hour. hour. <laughs> fucked that up so bad. God. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Political Playlist Happy Hour. I'm Michael Kristoff. I'm Anna Muskie-Goldwyn. Anthony Barkett. It's kind of like we're giving a State of the Union, although we're giving a State of the Bourbon. What, if you could give a personal State of the Union right now, what would it be? Of your union, say, a State of uh, your internal union. Well, I was going to say that I watched a documentary that was about therapy, and I discovered that maybe I need to go to okay. therapy. <laughs> Literally the best text ever from Michael, who's always like, I don't, I don't think I need therapy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He says, you guys have to watch Studs. Is that what it's called, right? Stuts, Stuts. Which is the documentary yeah. between Jonah Hill and his therapist. And I just thought that was such a fresh text from a guy who has resisted therapy himself. <laughs> Jonah Hill's crushing it, by the way. His other yeah. Netflix movie, You People. You people. Yeah. I yeah. didn't love it. Yeah. Oh. It had funny moments. I didn't. I, I thought it had funny moments. I did not think it was very good. Yeah. Julia Louis Drivers is great. She. Okay. Can I make a Can I make mom. a comment that I think might be kind of controversial about it? Ooh. God, here we go. I thought it was a little weird that you never saw them kiss. Oh, that's interesting. Like, huh. For a thing that's all about how, like, the whole movie is based on these people are meant to be. And they're both great actors. I didn't like, think they had a whole lot gorgeous. of chemistry. They didn't, but but beyond that, yeah, the, the whole thing is supposed to be, like, about right. acceptance and all this stuff. And I literally, they did not kiss until they lived together. Oh, that's... They did not have an on-screen kiss. And they never had a make-out. I, I, I agree with that. They never how, had a make-out. wholesome. They never had a sex scene. Like... What the hell? That Anna's, was my thing. is one of those people who just like, she complains to HR a lot if we had one. It's not HR sure. though. It's like <laughs> this whole movie is about like blending of cultures and it's all predicated on these two people seeming like they're meant to be. And I was just like, well, where's the freaking like make out where we see that they're really in love with each other? We can't well, tell in these days, you know? You would be... You would be confused if you thought this was a political podcast. We just did a little movie deep dive. It's okay. Everyone's a little on edge with the State of the Union, which is happening right as we are recording right now. So we're going to be watching on a, a delay, I suppose. So don't tweet Michael's, at us. Michael has it recording. Spoilers, yes. And his uh, DVR. So, Anna, let's get to the news. Are we in speaker view? Oh, my. Good call, Anthony. Every time. Okay. Every Are we good? damn God, time. Are we good? Yeah, that speaker view, I think, just made the cut. <laughs> Are we good? Uh, yeah. So I have a pitch. Oh. Are you ready okay. to hear my pitch? We're just really continuing this movie theme. Let's go, girls. Welcome to Three's a Crowd political podcast, where two opinionated men and one sassy woman dive into the hottest political topics of the week. Join our dynamic trio as they bring their diverse perspectives and sharp wit to the table, providing thought-provoking discussions and plenty of laughs. From the latest government po policies to the biggest political scandals, we've got it covered. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a wild ride on the political roller coaster that is Three's a Crowd. 
Oh my God. You sound like Tina Fey from uh, Murders in the Building. I'll take that as a compliment. A little bit. So can can you guess, can you guess like where that's from? That's great. Is it from us? So this is what I asked ChatGPT to write a short pitch for a political podcast oh. hosted by two men and one very funny woman. Oh, wow. My God. That's, amazing. That's this is this thing's taken over. So nervous. Yeah. So I don't think we need to be nervous. I think that I think that there's a way to look at what we have now with ChatGPT and all these other AI programs as tools. But as it pertains to the news, I wanted to bring it up because it is taking over. And specifically, what I think is notable is that the popularity of specifically chat GPT has essentially kicked off a global race in AI between Mm. companies and also between governments. And on the government side of things, the US has almost no regulation around artificial intelligence because the government moves at a snail's pace. And basically what is being put out there is there's like a pull between lawmakers who are saying we need to regulate and lawmakers who are saying, but we also need to be innovative, both of which are true, right? Like we want to win the AI race as a country, but also we want companies to be responsible and safe when developing these technologies. So it's definitely going to be wild. And just to to sort of for for those of us who might have been living under a rock this week, and and I count myself as one of those people, um, Chat GTP. Uh, for those of you who don't all right, know, Grandpa, it's called Chat GPT. Chat hey, GPT, okay. right? And I just finished up at Chipotle. Chipotle. Uh, that's what my Chipotle, mom calls it. Chipotle. Uh, so this is an AI thing that sort of hit the internet this week and people were like this week, putting in Michael, for, it's for this last month, December, December, December. Okay. It was really when and it like, it wrote a Seinfeld episode. Michael has been living under <laughs> it, uh, it, so others things happen, but you could tell it what to do and it'll spit out this thing. It, literally, you can ask it to do any, to write anything or to tell you anything. So you, I could say. Tell me who the youngest woman in Congress is, and it would answer. So it's sort of like a search engine, but also it has a uh, creation. Well, now people are going to have Chad GTP write their stuff. Yeah. Coming from two writers. It's crazy. This could be kind of interesting. No, incidentally, youngest. That was a, like, I, that was such a surprising news thing. I had no idea where you were going with that. That was great. Um, All right. Now we can move on. Yeah. so back to that is the weird balloon like looking brother. Oh, I'm over the balloon. Uh, I love balloon. the balloon. Is potentially Chinese. Purposefully from the did not. Here. We purposely did not do the balloon. Okay. Let's move uh, on. Everybody, everybody knows the balloon. Who's going first with their tweet? Uh, well, before we get to the balloon, we wanted to do a fun little. Uh, little segment here uh we did we did so do you remember when uh remember when we were talking about liz lettuce 
She was the woman oh. who was the six-week lasting Letty Lettuce. Uh, English prime minister. They had a head of lettuce on a countdown. So we think there's now a similar ticking clock for the one and only uh, Congressman George Santos. Mm, so oh yes. we're, we're going to do a little fun segment each week called Queen George's Corner. And <laughs> we're going to talk about all the latest crazy lies that he's told this week. And the latest is that he has recused himself from all of his committee positions and now is getting charged, uh, accused of sexual harassment. Uh, and did I leave anything out this week? Oh, my God. I didn't know the sexual harassment part. Yeah, by apparently I, a staffer who he didn't end up hiring. So, oh, so sounds, it's like recent. Yeah, this was like yesterday. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. This guy. And I don't think at, he deserves any more of our attention. At the uh, No, he does. Each week we're going to weigh in. Uh, no, I mean like in this segment right now. He, he got a real snarl from Mitt Romney at the State of the Union as they passed each other in the, oh, the oh. aisle. Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, okay. That's it for to? Queen George's Corner. Well, speaking um, of State of the Union, can I do my tweet? Oh, sure. Has to do with State of the Union. All right. Uh, this is two tweets that were part of a longer thread. Okay. So not As short. We no. Okay. As we prepare for the State of the Union, I want to introduce my guest, Miss Pamela Walker. She is a police accountability advocate and mother of Jalen Walker, a 25-year-old unarmed black man from Akron, Ohio, who was fatally shot dozens of times by police in June of 2022. We as a nation have reached an inflection point because too many lives have been lost. We need to create a level of trust where our law enforcement officers feel they are part of a community, and we must also take steps to improve police accountability and public safety. Do you want a hint? Mm. I would love a hint. It seems very moderate. It's a new person. New, new person. person. Hmm. Um, it feels like a moderate Democrat. And uh ish. Yeah, moderate-ish. Interesting. Um yeah, all right, quickly just give me give me a name. Uh Pat Ryan of New York. Okay. Oh, I was just about to say that. Well, now I can't <laughs> because I know you're you wrong. Um, it's not Jeff, Pat Ryan of New York. Jeff Jackson? No. Um, mm. This is from Amelia Sykes, who oh. is from Ohio. And oh, fun fact about Amelia Sykes is that she comes from a long line of state politicians. Her mom and then or her dad and then her mom both held the same seat in the Ohio legislature. Oh, that's and cool. And then she won the seat. Before she came to Congress. So it's been in that seat had been in the hands of a Sykes family member for 40 years, which is pretty wild. So, uh, but she is uh, a lawyer who worked in public health and now she is a member of Congress. And wow. this is alluding to the fact that both Biden and a lot of other congressional Democrats are being, bringing family members of people affected by police gun violence to the State of the Union mm -hmm. tonight in an effort to draw attention to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which has wow. not passed. And she's she's African-American, she which is. I think is interesting to, to note that both of her parents who uh, held these seats uh, from Ohio, which mm -hmm. you don't think of Ohio as a particularly progressive state. Uh, no, I mean, I guess cool. in like in more maybe, you know, more urban centers, um, it probably has been pretty progressive. But I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like we're in this divided Congress. This bill is 
probably not going to pass in this Congress. But I think all of the shit that went down with the uh, the killing of Tyree Nichols sort of reinvigorated this conversation. And I don't know. I mean, I, I always find it a little bit interesting. I don't want to say weird because I think it's like good in this instance. But mm-hmm. when they bring all these guests and people like bring guests to the State of the Union to like prove their Major point. Statement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, it just makes people want to bring their guests more to things to prove their statement. As you saw yeah. in our last presidential debates and other forms of things that happen in society. So starts from our politicians. So thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I it's, I don't know if it draws that much attention because there's so many other things that are happening that night. Right. And I think when you kind of think about our presidential, these, um, wow, brain fart. But these state state of the unions, like, I don't know if bringing someone is necessarily the right thing to do. There's so many freaking awards and whatnot that our Congress gives out. It's just for the media attention. Right. And And I'm not sure I fully, like, Well, that's what's hard, right? Is like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about it because I think that in some instances, it's like, okay, these people have all a lost a family member, which we can be sympathetic to. Of course. Yeah, it's terrible. They all are advocating for something that whether or not you agree with the exact, you know, details of the George Floyd plus justice and policing act, you have to respect that they're trying to do something to, you know, prevent what happened to their loved one from happening again. So in that sense, I'm like, oh, well, I guess when there's power in numbers, when it becomes a news story that all of these family members of black men harmed by police um, are coming, it does something. But that, but I don't know, because then I read like Steve Scalise, the Republican, is bringing his the coroner from his parish to talk about the fentanyl crisis, which he blames on the border. So well, then it well, becomes. I don't think it brings attention to it. Then I all do. the pundits are t- talking about the speech afterwards, not who everyone brought. Maybe, but I don't know. I've read articles well, I, about I, I this. Disagree. So. I disagree. I think it's one of those things that possibly gets, you know, for lack of a better term, down ballot news coverage. Mm. Insofar as to say that it gets covered by their local uh, media. And then also, you know, there is a lot of other time that <laughs> media has to fill. So... I think they when they bring up these people, there's always the chance that, oh, and, you know, Steve Scalise was there with, you know, the coroner advocating for fentanyl reform, et cetera. So I think I think the whole state of the union is pomp and circumstance, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. And this idea that, oh, well, the Supreme Court justices attend, but they don't clap. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) okay, okay, guys. And they sometimes fall asleep. Right, exactly. I, you know, it's all the sort of regal show. And I think that as such, these people, if they can even draw a little bit of an extra spotlight onto a cause that they care about, I think that's good. And, and hopefully those causes are, are, are good causes, yeah. right? I mean, obviously police reform. Obviously I guess that's when I don't fentanyl. like it. That's when I don't like it. When it's like, 
sort of trying to be a political dig, which I don't think any of the ones I've read about are. Mm. You know, I oh, feel like and this just in George Santos brought a drag queen with him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, so actually the, the irony of this, and, and I don't mean to joke, so his guest tonight was a 9-11 first responder. Which, no. Yes, which yes. obviously, you know, what? is being a congressman from New York is that. But he that lied is, about. Well, right, right. Are right. we sure this is even true, though? Like, this is, is that yes. person. This was who he I want to see this was. person's, you know, like documentation. That yeah, they, were yeah. First spot. they literally <laughs> went and bought like a firefighter yeah. costume at the party <laughs> city down the street. It's a it's actually a firefighter calendar strip tease that George Santos is. Uh, yeah. Anyway, OK, uh, moving, moving on. on. Next tweet. Yeah. Um, who wants to go? I'm happy to go and I'm going to give you guys a clue. It's a new okay. person. I love it. I think and, we should just be laying on the new people. And this is gonna, gonna, I feel like going to be a big topic. August Fluger. I can't wait to meet August Fluger. I know. Oh, He's going to be like, you talk about me every week. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm proud to be in a small group of members of Congress who are also immigrants. I am pushing back on this sham and shameful oversight committee hearing attacking asylum seekers and immigrants. No human being is illegal. Okay. Um, there, uh, I have a guess. Well, that's what this game is. Yeah. Is it, is it Delia? I forgot. Wrong. No, I was going to say uh, Yadira Caraveo from also, Colorado. Also wrong. Also uh, wrong, but good guesses. Uh, it's was... Robert Garcia. Oh, Long Beach mayor. Long Beach, former mayor of Long Beach. Yeah, he's um, great. Also, USC grad, fight on. Yeah, fight on, <laughs> baby. Go Browns. But, uh, Actually has a long history of being involved, I would say, in, I would say, politics. Mm -hmm. He actually started off on the Republican side, though. Mm -hmm. Not sure if you guys knew that. I did know that, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, helping out with George Bush's presidential campaign. He was in charge of the Young Republicans. I mean, pretty, pretty interesting. And then he ended up switching. And the main reason why he was Republican was because of President Reagan. Hmm. And they registered as Republicans when they became citizens uh, of, of the U.S., obviously. And it was Reagan signing the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986. Hmm. Wow. Did so, you also know that he did, when he was sworn into Congress, he had, uh, he's like obsessed with comic books, and he had one of the original Superman comics Mm -hmm. it like on his bible when he oh, was wow. sworn into congress Wait, no i didn't yeah. know that that's incredible and, and actually all wow. of his um uh campaign posters were modeled after like superman stuff like that. oh i didn't so, know that that's cool. yeah which is huh. honestly kind of a great idea because it attracts a bit more attention than just a name yeah. on the board yeah um but i mean like we've talked about immigration so much and I'm really interested to see what happens in this Congress because every politician is talking about it. And I yeah. think they're saying this is one of their top issues, of the, especially of the newcomers coming in. 
Well, so, I think it's also just going to be interesting. Like we're getting more immigrants in Congress of both parties. Totally. And yeah, sort of separate from the Ilhan Omar of it all, which is what he's referencing in this tweet, which is a whole other conversation that we can have. Want to elaborate on that just really quick? Yeah, just give us sure. a little what is what that is. And don't ask GPT chat bot. <laughs> don't about, ask Jeeves. No. Jeeves. Yeah. Jeeves. I, I remember to ask Jeeves in my day. Who is Ilhan Omar? Yeah. No, but can you give us a little background yeah. on that, Anna? Oh, yeah. So basically. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, you're I on. thought that Anthony was going to do it. So basically, um, Ilhan Omar was on the. The. Oversight committee. The no. oversight committee, which is a foreign policy big foreign policy committee, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, no. No, it was for, uh, uh, foreign affairs. Foreign affairs. She's on the foreign yeah. affairs committee. Sorry. She was kicked off two committees. The one, though, yeah. that he's referencing is the foreign affairs committee. And yeah. that they said specifically they kicked her off because she had made anti-Semitic remarks, which she basically has copped to that she did. She said things that sort of employed tropes about Jewish people that they used as sort of the the recourse to get her off this committee. What Robert Garcia is saying, which a lot of other Democrats are saying, is that Ilhan Omar, who is a Somali, not only immigrant, but refugee, she, or maybe she's just an immigrant. I'm sorry, that was... No, refugee. She was a refugee. She was a refugee? Yep, came here when she was nine. She, that she offers a very important perspective when it comes to foreign policy. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of discussion to be had about the remarks that she made, if they mm -hmm. were anti-Semitic, if her apology was enough, blah, blah, blah. What other Republican politicians have said that art is obviously anti-Semitic and they still have committee assignments. That whole thing aside, I just think it's interesting to be talking about the mm -hmm. fact that we do have more immigrants, both Republicans and Democrats in Congress to offer these perspectives not just on foreign policy, but also on immigration, of course. And I think that it's obviously a good thing, you know, like I don't feel qualified to give that perspective. Um, and I'm happy to see that there are more people like Robert Garcia and his colleagues, both in his party and, and on the Republican side, um, well, I certainly feel qualified to uh, give it. <laughs> and let Why don't me you just say, mansplain away. <laughs> no, but I think I think you're right, and I think to Anthony's point, uh, you know, we are shaping up to have a massive policy immigration showdown in this country, politically speaking. And I think that we're, you know, we've been seeing it the last two years with the Republicans in the House in the minority. We've seen them now take up this issue of, of border, which is just a portion of our larger immigration policy. And I think that now that they've taken over the House, you're going to see this skyrocket to the forefront. And it's already in the first two, three weeks or, yeah, call it um, first month, right? They've, they've kicked out a, you know, non-American-born member of Congress from a foreign affairs committee, mm -hmm. right? Based solely, they say, on, you know, one or two past comments. But the reality is, is that, you know, this is just the sort of political tit for tat. And this is a way that I think is going to, the more that they do these things, the more 
I, I don't know that they're helping themselves because the more that this issue becomes on the forefront of people's minds and, you know, maybe that's a good thing that people are going to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once again, if I was sleepy Joe, I would lock the, you know, floor of Congress and forget about the keys. Yeah. Have them figure that, figure this out. And order some dominoes. I mean, they got the they got the fencing up now for the State of the Union. Just, yeah, just keep lock them, them in, in there. Yeah, yeah keep like, them in there. Sorry, guys. This is actually to keep you in to get <laughs> shit done. Um, so this is a good segue to my tweet. Okay. Um, because it's from a member who we've talked about in the past. Member. Um, and uh, but it 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 speaks to the sort of larger, I think, looking ahead for what this Congress is going to what we can expect from this Congress and, um, you know, what ultimately the, the 2024 election is going to be about. Adam Kinzinger. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I know he's not on our platform anymore. No, he's on CNN right now. Now he's a CNN, official CNN commentator. CNN viewership. Uh, this just in. CNN oh, the, viewership the uh, up. Communist News Network. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's all done, That's Adam. good. CCP, more like CNN. Am I right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, this is in response to... Uh, new jobs report, 517,000 jobs created in January. That's over 12 million jobs created under the Obama, or excuse me, the Biden administration. <laughs> now, now Fox News is going to run wild with this clip. Uh, okay, so here's the tweet. Today's jobs report is fantastic news for the middle class. With over half a million new jobs created last month, the unemployment rate, which is at 3.4%, is the lowest unemployment rate since the moon landing. At House Democrats and at POTUS are building an economy that works better for all Americans. Mm, definitely Republican. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I feel like it's a moderate Democrat. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know why, but I think it's giving us a toughie. Is it a tough one? I mean, it's literally anyone could have said this. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you give us a hint? Pete Aguilar. I would say you're not far off with Adam Kinzinger. I have a type. Yeah. <laughs> Seth Moulton. <laughs> ah, God. <laughs> you got it. That's it. Seth, our, our man just in Massachusetts. <laughs> handsome white guy. Yeah, just full, love, love a good love a good marine vet. <laughs> Jesus. Wasn't okay. Kinzinger in the Air Force? Uh, yes, that's true. Um, so I think what, what the, the reason I, I bring this up and I want to pose a question to you guys. Okay, so, you know, I, I don't bring this up to tout any sort of accomplishments uh, or, or, or figure out uh, what we should celebrate uh, from this current administration. But the fact of the matter is that if you look at what they've done, all sort of inability to message it aside, right, they have passed a landmark infrastructure bill. They have passed this huge CHIPS Act. They have passed the rescue plan. They have passed the Inflation Reduction Act, right? I think you could make the case that this is the largest batch of domestic policy we've seen in a generation. To say nothing of the fact that these stats don't lie, that this is the lowest uh, unemployment rate since the moon landing, right? Th there are crazy amounts of jobs being being created. And 
I think sometimes we look at, okay, well, how's my stock portfolio doing? How's my 401k doing? And we see that that's been seesawing. But some of these other things are, are not really seesawing in, in an alarming way. So I think that's all to say that Democrats have real actionable celebrating to do. And so my question to you guys is, now that the Republicans have taken the House, how do they make the case that they're going to be the ones who do and who act above the Democrats? Because there was just a new study out that 41% of Americans feel they're worse off than they were two years ago. Yeah, but that's a BS, but, but this whatever. Is, no, but this Come is, on. it's the, was like, I'm not trying to be, on Twitter? Was this I'm not on trying Twitter? to be flippant about it. I'm just yeah. saying like, I agree with you. And I think the fact that any party has been able to actually pass and implement legislation that can have real effect is impressive and should be noted. I also feel that what matters more in elections is not stats, but how people feel. And I think that the Republican argument is that people don't feel good. You know, if more, if 41% of Americans feel they're worse off than they were when Biden took office, like that's, that's kind of, I feel like the, that's the punch, you know, and yeah. like Democrats have to, this is the thing is like, then Democrats have to work to do the thing that they're terrible at, which is messaging and show that these policies are actually going to help people. And maybe you don't feel great now, but in two years when the Infrastructure Act, you know, is really implemented, that will make a difference. Yeah. Um, but I, that's that would be my recourse if I was but, a Republican. Totally. The Democrats have runway for campaigning for the next four to eight years, mm -hmm. maybe even 10. Um, I think... I think people truly are kind of getting sick of the pettiness of our politicians. I hope that's true. I might just be speaking from my gut. Say that again, Anthony. I think people are getting sick of the pettiness that our, mm, right. our right. politicians engage in. And, you know, we kind of saw this on the Democratic side, you know, continually going after Trump, spending all this money, nothing ended up really happening, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. I think we might see that on the Republican side if they, you know, the whole Hunter Biden thing. And it, it's like, when are we going to focus about real issues instead of two or three families in the right. U.S. that are powerful? Right. I mean, yeah. like, when are we going to actually talk about fucking business? No offense. Yeah. And actually helping people's lives. And, and I think if the Republicans play that card for a long time, they, I think they're going to have a hard time in, uh, in the house, you know, presidential, presidential wise, I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, but I think that's going to be tough for them. And then we're at, you know, a stalemate. Well, and I would, I would agree with, uh, what you're, what you both are saying. I guess I would maybe throw out or, or offer the caveat that I think, People, voters aren't stupid, right? I, I think politicians sometimes think, and, and, and a lot of the media sometimes thinks that like voters are stupid. And so, yes, if you tell somebody how much better their situation is and they're like, fuck you, man, my situation sucks. I have this, this, and this, and costs are high and, and groceries are high and gas is high. It's like, you can't tell someone it's sunny when it's pouring rain on their head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But- I do think that you can 
you can show when somebody is actively working to try and make that rain stop versus somebody who is worried about getting to the beach, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the mistake that, and I'm going to keep this weather metaphor going here. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, and then I'm the going to- blizzard. Uh, <laughs> the blizzard <laughs> of the house. But but the point is, is that I feel like the mistake that Republicans can fall under, and I'm going to be very interested to see how our young members of Congress do about this, is if you fall in that trap of petty politics and grievance politics, I think that that is very obvious with voters. And I think voters can sense that. And so young people like Mike Lawler from New York, right? You know, others like him who are, you know, really pitching a, a big, robust game, so to speak. I think it's going to come down to them really muscling new legislation onto the floor to whether or not it gets passed to start making noise, because I think that's their best bet to, to be effective is making noise with legislation. Yeah. I mean, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. I think so it's all does. just going to come down to messaging and when it comes to elections, at least. Maybe. But I agree with you. I mean, I agree with the point that, like, people aren't stupid. And I think that the midterms actually showed that, where you saw people splitting ballots. You saw voters actually voting in a way that was right. researched and intentional. Right. And it created results that were not expected. So I think that that does offer a learning a learning lesson. A learning lesson? Is that a thing that people say? A learning lesson. I mean, it's a thing that, you know, it's a little redundant. A lesson. Yeah. You know, yes. your office background looks so good, Anna. Not oh, well, there's a lot of extra you. stuff in it. There is. Um, we we have a couple of unhung photos. What yeah, we, what's there's like a there? computer monitor. There's oh, wow. like yeah, there's it's a, it's gonna be great when Apple everything's person. clear. Interesting. Apple, interesting. Mm -hmm. And also, when was the last time you played that piano? Like two days ago. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Okay. Should I play to close us out? <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. You know what? You really should. Should Let's I? Let's go. Let's see it. You know what? I'm. I've been looking at a piano for how long now? Can you? There's hear? no. There's no way that this thing is gonna play us out. Wait, I'm. Hold on. Oh, well, hear, we can hear it. Request the song. Yeah. If you could play uh, Rachmaninoff second, that would be okay. great. I was going to say Hired Love by Whitney uh, Houston. Oh, okay, well, I guess we know our tastes. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear yeah, you. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, it's almost too loud. Prefer the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Up, we have a banger. Yeah, go for the banger. Whitney yeah. Houston. Taylor Swift. The song every person knows when they play on the piano. <laughs> it might also be autoplay. It's unclear. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Great, great job, Anna. Wow. We support you. Oh, that was great. That was that's just the tip of the iceberg, guys. <laughs>